We're learning this chesed before Shlomo for Yitzchak Aaron and Miriam. We're at the bottom of Yud Gimel Amud Beis, second to the bottom line. We're learning about the Yochas Davar, all the different eighteen decrees that the rabbis made uh, in order to protect all the different laws of Tumas. So we're going to go through them one by one. So the first one that we learn is that if a person eats a food that is either a rishon or a sheni, that their body becomes a sheni. When a person's body is a shani, it has uh, ramifications for truma. Any truma that they would touch would become invalid, become a shlishi, and must be discarded. So the Gemara says, Man tana, who is the tana? Ha'ochel ochel rishon ve'ochel ochel shani, mitzel pasi. Whether you eat a food that is a rishon or a shani, you become a shani. And now you would render anything that you would touch into a shlishi. And we can infer from that, but tamue lo metame, you're not going to make it tame. What's the difference between whether something is tame or puzzle? Puzzle is when we use a truma that is a shlishi, meaning it is invalid, but it can't convey further tuma. Remember that for the laws of truma, the farthest degree of tuma that something can go is shlishi. So it's invalid, it's puzzle, it's not tame. In other words, it's not tame in the sense it can't pass it on to anything else. Something that this food item would touch it. Subsequently, the next food item would be tar. So who is the tana that if you eat, whether you eat a food that is a rishon or you eat a food that is a shini, you become a shini. Since you become a shini, anything that you would touch would become invalid and not become tame. The point of novelty in that is maybe someone could have said if when you eat a shini, you become a shini, so then maybe when you eat a rishon, you should become a rishon. And if then something you touch would become a shini, and then not only would it be invalid, it would become tame in the sense that anything it would touch would render something else tame as well. So who is the tana that does not say that? Rather, what we're saying is that whether you eat a rishon or a shini, you always, the way the rabbis legislated it is that you become a shini. So Amar Rabbi Rachana, Rabbi Yeshua, he is only Rabbi Yeshua. The time we learned in a mission, our blesser, Omer, our blesser disagrees. Rabbi Lazar says, Ocho, rishon, rishon, rishon. If you eat a rishon, you become a rishon. If you eat a shini, you become a shishi. A shini. If you eat a shlishi, you become a shlishi. The ramifications for that would only be for the laws of kachim, because by kachim, if you eat sacrificial offerings, those sacrificial offerings can become a revi. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, no. Someone who eats either a rishon or a shini becomes a shini, and anything that he touches would only be a shlishi. Shlishi, and if he eats food that's a shlishi, shini lakodesh, in regard to the laws of kachim, he becomes a shini, the in shini lashrima, but he does not become a shini for the laws of truma. What does that mean? The Mishnah explains that last point, but chulin shrima. Really, we're dealing with chulin. So, really, me'ikar adin, as we said, chulin never really gets beyond the level of a shini. But there's such a thing as people who wanted to protect, keep up, you know, their 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 strict laws of, 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 of tumah in order to protect what it would be for truma or kachim. And they observe the same standards of kachim or for truma for regular chulin. So, let's have regular chulin that's not being kept with the standards of Kodesh, but it's only being kept with the standards of Truma. And then it became a Shlishi. So the person who eats it would become a Shini in regards to Kodesh. In other words, in regards to the laws of Kachim, we treat any food that became Tame as if it's a Rishon, as if any guarding you did is worthless. So if you claim it's only a Shlishi, if you're guarding it with the same standards of Truma, in regard to the standards of Kachim, we treat it like it's a Rishon. So when you eat it, now the person becomes a Shini. So that's a very interesting halacha. When you're eating a regular food that is being guarded with the standards of Truma, and you think it's a shlishi and you eat it in regard relative to the standards of Kodesh is as if it's a rishon and you become a shani. And now anything that you would touch um, for, trim, for Kodesh would be a shlishi and so on and so forth. It would even pass it on one more level. So the bottom line is, is that we have two unrelated points of dispute between Rebbe Lazar and Rebbe Yeshua. One is if someone who eats a rishon, does he become a rishon? Rebbe Lazar says, if you eat a rishon, you become a rishon. Rebbe Yeshua says, no, whether it's a, you eat a rishon or a shani, in both cases, you become a shani. That's one point of contention. A third point of contention is someone who eats a shlishi. 
If someone who eats a shlishi, he's eating regular food that's being kept with the standards of truma, and he eats that, does he become a shlishi? Or do we say in regard relative to the laws of Kodesh, we treat it as if he ate a rishon, and now the person is considered to be a sheni? Two unrelated points of machlokas. But at any rate, our Mishnah, um, our, the Mishnah and Zavim, which describe that if a person eats a food that's a rishon or a sheni, that the person becomes a sheni is only in the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua, because according to Rabbi Lazar, if a person who eats a rishon would in fact become a Risha. Okay, so now that's all just been a lot of facts right there. You know, what's this point that the rabbis are legislating when you eat tummy food? Do you get the same level of the food or does it drop one? Rabbi Yeshua is saying, well, if you eat a food that's a Rishon or a Shini, in both cases, you become a Shini. So the Gemara says, what's going on here? Well, let's take a step back. Ocho, ocho, Rishon, ocho, ocho, Shini. Whether a case a person's eating a Rishon or he's eating a Shini. My time will go through Be'er Rabbanan What is the reason that the rabbis are decreeing that he's tummy? Again, by Torah law, a person cannot contract Toma unless it's from an Ava Toma. There's no such thing as a person eating tummy food and this is all made up by the rabbis. Why are the rabbis making up this halacha? Says the Gemara, the zimin to achal ochlin could happen that a person is eating tummy food. Remember, it's not really forbidden to eat tummy food. It might be commendable, it might be a nice thing, but it's not forbidden to eat tummy food. So a person might be eating a food that is tummy. And while he has food in his mouth, he might want to drink. So he might turn to get a swig of wine. That wine might be truma. He'll throw it in his mouth. There will be contact between the t- in his mouth. There will be contact between the tummy food and the and and the yayin that is truma. by doing that, he's going to make the truma invalid because one food can be matame another food. So the tummy food will be matame the kosher wine, the truma wine in his mouth. He will call. He has just caused that the truma became invalid and it's forbidden to invalidate truma. So because of that, the rabbis were very concerned that a person stay away from truma and eating tummy food. So in order to make sure that he doesn't do that, how did the rabbis make sure? They made a new law. Anytime you eat tummy food, you become tummy. Then for sure, there's no way a person will ever be drinking truma wine with tummy food. Because if he's going to eat tummy food, he'll be tummy. If he'll become tummy, he can't drink the truma wine. That's how the rabbis took care of the problem. Again, the problem is that they don't want you to drink truma wine together with tummy food. How did they make sure that that doesn't happen? They legislate that if you eat tummy food, you become Tommy. If you become Tommy, then there's no way that you'll be drinking the truma wine. That is the first of the Yudchaz Dover, that if you eat a food that is Tommy, you become Tommy. The second of the Yudchaz Dover was Shosem Mashkim Tameh. That if someone drinks liquids that are Tame, that his body becomes Tame. My Tame goes where Abon and Toma. Why would the Abon and Gozer Toma if you drink Tame liquids that you become Tame? Because there are sometimes that a person drinks liquids that are tamay, and because he's taking a drink, he might want a, a, a snack, and he might put in food that's truma, and it will make the truma unfit. So it's just the opposite of what we said. Instead of saying you might eat tamay food and throw in some, tamay, some truma wine, here it's you might be drinking some tamay liquid, and throw in your mouth some truma food. So the Gemara asks, it's the same thing. Who cares if it's food to liquid or liquid to food? Why do we need to point out this was a second decree of the 18th? So the Gemara says, you might have thought, the first case is common. Because when you're eating, you want to drink. But the other case is not so common. When you're drinking, you want a snack. It's not so common. You're drinking, you're drinking. Who says you have to be concerned that a person who's, who's drinking tummy liquids is going to suddenly going to have an urge to put tummy foods in his mouth? To put food in his mouth, and we're concerned he's going to put uh, truma in his mouth. Kamash Malan, the mission teaches us that the rabbis were still concerned, and therefore they said when you drink tummy liquids, you become tummy to make sure that we wouldn't put any truma um, in your mouth at that time. So that now we move on to the next decree. Habal Rosh Shuvim. 
So we say after a person goes to the mikvah, if they put if they take a bath, they put their head and most of their body into maim shuvim. Maim shuvim is water that's been collected in kalim. Mikvah water has to be fall directly into a pit. It can't be collected in kalim first. So if someone who takes a bath in water that's been collected in kalim after going to the mikvah becomes tummy. What's the reason? My time goes You told him originally tummy people would immerse themselves in these waters that were in cave and they were disgusted and they have a bad smell. So after they went to the mikvah, in order to make sure that they didn't smell, they would take a bath in, um, in drawn water to get the smell off of them. After a while, this was like a ritual, like you went to the mikvah and then you took a bath in regular water. So now the rabbis don't want this practice anymore for people to bathe after going to the mikvah. And therefore they said that your tummy, if you do bathe, Says the Gemara, my keva. I mean, why? Who cares if people do this? Who cares if people are bathing after going to the mikvah? People used to make a mistake and say that going to the mikvah doesn't make you tar. You have to go to the mikvah and take a bath. Who cares? They're still going to the mikvah. Let people think that you're not tar unless you also take a bath. But what's the problem with that mistake? People would say, it's not the mikvah water that makes you tar. It's the bath afterwards that make you tar. Meaning people will make a mistake and stop realizing that it's the mikvah that's matar. People will say it's the bath. So for that reason, the Rabbanon said, anyone who takes a bath after going to the mikvah actually becomes tumming. What an incredible, incredible xera. We still have some of the remnants of that xera today with women going to the mikvah uh, when they're after, after nida, that they're supposed to be careful not to take a bath right afterwards. It's a whole question. How long afterwards do they have to wait? How long does that, do they have to wait before bathing? That's a whole question. How but the root of this comes from our Gemara that it is important that we people realize that it is the mikvah that is matar and not the bath afterwards. And then what was the next one of the Yerchazdavar Tar Even if you have a regular tar person and just water falls on him like a shower, just three look of drawn water, my he becomes tummy. What's the reason for that? Here, you can't say we're talking about a mistake of people being tar. We're talking about a person who didn't go to the mikvah. We're talking about a totally tar person who just had some maim shuvim falling and suddenly he's becoming tummy. Why is that? Says the Gemara, now for this decree, the other decree, it wouldn't work. So in other words, Really, we want, to, we want to say that the bath that a person takes after the mikvah makes him tummy. And really, taking a shower any other time is not, is, not, is not important. But people don't get the difference. What's the difference? And they would throw out one without the other. They wouldn't understand. So the rabbis had to make it in a uniform way. That any time you take a shower with maim shuvim, you become tummy. So therefore, now it's like a package deal. If you take a shower with my with my shuvim, you become tame. That therefore protects the original xera that we were learning for the people who would make a mistake and take the bath after going to the mikvah and think that it was the bath that was matar them. What was the next xera safer? That the scrolls, uh, svarim, the scrolls of of, of the sifrei tanach themselves give off tamei. Why are they tame? Why should a safer be tame? Originally, people would store their truma foods with by the Sefer Torah. Why in the world would they do that? Why would they keep truma by Svarim? People said, because both things are holy. So it makes sense that they should be stored together. But given the now the Rabbanon observed this, and they saw that it's going to be, things are going to get ruined because mice come along with the food 
and mice come to the food, and when they go to the, eat the truma food, they might pack away at this farm. So in order to make sure that people wouldn't store their truma with this farm, cause we are abundant. And the rabbi said that svarim are tame. So if there was svarim are tame, then they're going to be tame the truma. So that therefore discouraged people from keeping the truma with this farm. Now you might have a simple question when you read this command. I mean, why did the rabbis just legislate keep truma away from svarim? Why do they have to make this game? and play with the law and say, no, Svar Martame. So Svar Martame, now you're not going to keep the trimmer by them. So it seems that, you know, people won't just listen. It doesn't make sense that the only way the rabbis are able to make things work in society is by making new halachos that would legislate that the Toma, the Toma is upon the safer. So now the trimmer would become Tame. That would discourage people from keeping it. We say that hands are tummy. Why are hands tummy? Now, this one we really want to listen because this is one of the Yilchas Dovers that are super relevant to us. That's why we have to wash them with time. So, let's first see what's the background. So, the reason why hands are tummy is when they share time, going to say hands are always moving around and they always touch things, they always become dirty. So, what, what, why do we concern if hands are dirty? So, we're trying to explain because you might touch trauma. There might be something that was gross on your hands. The truma might become gross. You might be repulsed from eating the truma and you just waste the truma and you're not allowed to waste truma. So the rabbis wanted to make sure that before you ever handle truma, that they said that your hands are clean. So in order to make sure that your hands would be clean, they said your hands are shiny. Your hands are tummy. And if you touch the truma, it would become tummy. And therefore the only way to rid yourself of the truma is by washing your hands. This is the original, original thing which is behind um, washing the tilas with diamond. As we'll see as we go further, this is really only for eating truma. And this is really when you eat any truma. How did this come to be that it's for anyone eating any bread that we still have to wait a little bit more for more information to settle. But this is the first step to understand. The first step to understand is that hands are tame because hands can get dirty. They can touch gross things. If they'll touch truma, you might be grossed out and not eat the truma that would waste the truma. In order to make sure that doesn't happen, the rabbis say your hands are tame and that therefore discourages you from touching truma. Abraisa says further, even hands that touch a safer post they become tame. So in other words, if not only is the safer a shani, but hands that touch a safer also become a shani. We shouldn't have power on this because of Rapanachim. Someone who touches the, the parchment of a safer Torah, Nikbar arm will be buried bare, will be buried without without any um without any shrouds. So the Lord says, arm Why should he be buried without shrouds? Because he touched a safer. He means he's buried without any mitzvahs. He, he loses all his chasm if he does that. Can such a thing be? I mean, why should it be so stringent? rather say arm below a mitzvah that he misses whatever mitzvah he was doing. I mean, if you were learning Torah and you touch the partners with your bare hands, you lose the reward for what you're doing. And this therefore discourages people to touch the to touch the scrolls. So now it turns out that there's another point of talking about the hands. One thing is that hands are stam tummy, and another point is that hands that touch this far and become Tommy. So the Gemara says, Hi, Nagas Barisha. Which decree was made first? In Nagas Barisha, if you say that the, the, the first one was made first, that any hands are always Tommy. So keeping the Hakaz Barisha, if that one was made first, are too lumbly. Why do we have to say if you touch a scroll, you become Tommy? If hands are always Tommy, so then you don't have to make another decree that hands that touch a safer become Tommy. Hands are stam Tommy, even before you touch the safer. You have to say that the way it worked was first they made Xera, that hands that touch a safer are Tommy. And then they followed it up with another Xera. That stum, even hands that don't touch a safer atomic, or else the sequence wouldn't make sense. Okay, then we move forward. Uh, the next Yilchas Dover, we said full Yom, a person who went to the mikvah still has certain vestiges of Tumah that remain until the end of the day, and he would make Tumah unfit if he would touch it. So the Gemara says, full Yom Daraisa, that's not one of the 18 decrees, that's in the Torah. After you go to the mikvah, then the sun sets and it becomes pure. That, that is clear in the Pasuk, that's the concept of a full Yom, that you don't become fully pure 
until the day is over. So that's not one of the Yilchas Tavar. So the Gemara concedes that point and says, Samim Hikan Tvul Yom, you have to take away Tvul Yom from that. In other words, Tvul Yom was incorrectly listed. And then we learn foods that became tame from a liquid, they become a shani. So let's figure out what's going on here, says the Gemara. What do we mean that the liquids were tame? How do the liquids become tame? If you say it's regular tama, so let's say you had a sheritz. A dead sheritz is an ava tama. If it, a liquid touched it, the liquid would become a rishon. So now if you're going to say that that rishon liquid would touch a food, that that food would be a tame, would be a shani. And that Ashani would invalidate Shrimah if it touched it. Well, that's not one of the Yilchas Tavars. Foods that get tummy from a liquid, that's, that the food would become tummy from the liquid that's a reacher that became tummy from the Av. That's in the clear in the Psukim. Any liquid that's drunk can become tummy. So clearly, if a liquid can become tummy, it would be a reacher. And it's like that touch it would be Ashani. You could invalidate Shrimah. That's a dinner in the Torah. What do you need that from the Yilchas Tavar? Says the Gemara, We're talking about that the liquid became tame from an unrinsed hand. So meaning you have an unrinsed hand and that hand is tame. That's not, again, that's only meant to that the hand is tame. The hand is a shini. If the hand touches a liquid, what does the liquid become? A rishon. It's an incredible halacha. Liquids, whenever they become tame, they refer to being a rishon. Why are the rabbis so strict with liquids? Well, liquids are considered more susceptible to tuma. Why? Because foods, in order for a food to become tame, it has to, be, it has to become wet first. It has to, be, it has to get a hashka. However, liquids can automatically become tame. So liquids are considered more are considered more susceptible to tuma. So anytime a liquid becomes tame, even if it's becoming tame from a shani, the liquid reverts back to being a rishon. So here you have your dime that are shniyos. They touch a liquid, the liquid reverts back to being a rishon. And now the liquid touches something else, that something else is a shani. And now that that something else is a shani, if it would touch truma, it would invalidate it. So that's one of the yilches davar. It's a yilches davar that a mashke that touches a shani reverts back to being a rishon. What was the next one? Any kalim that touched liquids can become tame in the degree of a shani. So the Gemara says, what's going on here? How does this happen? What liquid, what tame liquid is the kalim is the touching? Maybe you'll say it's a liquid that came out of a zav. Now a zav is a very unique halacha. A zav is a super tama, and any spit or um, a mucuses that come out of a zav, the Pasuk actually writes, are an av hatumah, incredible halacha. So if let's say a zav would spit onto a kli, the, the spit is an avatoma and the kli would be a rishon. So if you say that's what it's talking about, that din is in the Torah. Even just holding the spit makes you tame. The spit is an avatoma. So we see clearly that that's not from the Yilchaz Dover, that's in the Pasuk. So we can't be saying that if a kli became tame from in the spit of a zav, that the kli is tame, that's clearly not what we're talking about. Rather, we're dealing with a regular, a regular tumma for liquids. So how does a regular tumma? Let's say you have a tummy sharet. That's an av, and now a liquid touches it. So the liquid is a rishon. So midaraisa, if that tummy liquid that is a rishon touches a kli, the kli is tahar. Because on a daraisa level, the only way a kli can be makabel tumma is from an av tumma. There's no such thing as a rishon contaminating a kli. However, the yuchas davers kicks in, and they say that a tummy rishon liquid that touches a kli, the kli becomes tamay. The reason why the rabbi said it is to protect against mashka the zav. Since there's one liquid out there that is an avatuma, the secretion of the zav, which would be matami the kli, the rabbis therefore now went further and they said, any single tamay liquid that touches a kli, the kli becomes like a shani. So that's a durabonan, all to protect the law of mashka zav. That's what the Yilchaz Dover was saying. 
via Dayim, and then we have unrinsed hands. So the Gemara has a kasha. Tamidei the Shama Hill goes. Is it true that it was the Bei Shama and Bei Hill here up here in the attic with Hananya? That's when this din went down. That hands are tummy. Shama Hill goes. It goes back way earlier. It's but not from the they're not from the Talmidim Shama and Hill, but from Shama and Hill themselves. How do we know this? The Tanya says in a price. Yosef and Yosef each three of Yosef and Yochanan Yerushalayim. Those two men made the following laws. Gozer Tumah Eretzahem. They made a Tumah on the on the lands outside of Israel. Any land of outside of Eretz Israel. See the Gaim didn't mark. Um, in, in the cemetery. So you'd have times a person could walk somewhere and not know that he just moved a, like the bones of a corpse and he'd become Tame and he wouldn't know it. So therefore the rabbis made a din they have to assume whenever you walk in Chutzal arts that you become Tame. That was one degree, Aklis Chuchis, and on glass. We're going to learn about this in the coming Dapim, that glass is not a material that's susceptible to Tumah by Doraisal law. Uh, but the rabbis were gozer that glass can become tummy. We'll learn more about that in the coming Dapim. Shimon Ben Shatach taking Ksuba Leisha. Shimon Shatach made Ksuba for a woman. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean the basic concept of Ksuba. The basic concept of Ksuba was before Shimon Ben Shatach. But the idea was that they used to have a specific item that was secured for the woman's Ksuba. But that enticed men to it was just too easy to divorce. You just say, oh, here's the thing for your Ksuba. Here, take it and leave. Shimon Ben Shatach made more of a collective collateral, um, a collective lien on all of the properties of a man that uh, made it. In, in harder to divorce a woman. He was gozer tuma on metal. So the Gemara is going to try to figure out what that is. I mean, metal can be makabal tuma by Torah law. So the Gemara will talk about that eventually. And then finally, the Brightsev says, tuma on hands. So we see it was Shamein Hill, not Be Shamein Maybe you're going to say Shamein When it said Shamein Hill, it meant Be Shamein Hill. Didn't mean Shamein Hill themselves. Can't be. They made. 18 decrees of Ishmael are Nechlaku, these on all these 18 issues, there was a dispute between the two schools. Filu Shami Silo Nechlu Shoshim Kosman. Halo and Shami themselves only argued in three places. Damar Afuna, Bashoshim Kosman, Nechlu They only argued in three places. So we can't say that they were, that they were at all 18. So it must be that Shami and Hillel were not part of the Shemona of the Yilchas Davar. They had already moved on. And it was the schools of Bashami and Bashoshim that were arguing about Yilchas Davar. So now the question comes back. And we see that it was Shami and Hillel themselves. That 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 made the tumma of the of of the hands. Then how could it? How can the hands be appearing as beisham and beisol in the yurches daver? Maybe Shaman Hill only said that the hands are tummy to the extent that anything that touches it should be should be um, suspended. Suspended in the sense that you can't eat it, but you don't burn it. Meaning it's not treated like certainly tummy things. It's just it's just nothing happens to it. You don't eat it, but you don't burn it. And then Beisham Yisrael came along and they said even more that you have to you you would burn something that tummy hands touched. You can't say that. Farmer Ilfa, on the Ilfa said that the original decree of the hands are tame, the Rabbanon, whoever said it, they originally said, and anything that those hands touched, the trimma should be burned. So you clearly see that Shaman Hill even said everything originally. So what were Be Shaman and Basil adding? So the Gemara says, Ella also, you know, Gazer Veloki Lunai, which is a fascinating thing. Shaman Hill said it, but the people did not accept the halacha. But then the Talmidim came and they made, they said it again. And the second time that they said it, um, it was Neskavel in Kaiser. 
So the Mar has a follow question Bakati, but still, was it Bishamin Bisolo or Shamin Hill that goes around the hand? Shlomo Gazar. The idea that hands have to be washed comes from Shlomo Malthamar Yudam or Shmuel. Bishashatik and Shlomo Eruvin until the time when Shlomo was Misaka and the laws of Eruv and washing one's hands. What is the halacha of Nantila Sadaim? What's the halacha? Yatza Basko Baba the halacha. Basko came out and said, Benim Chacham Libecha. If your heart is smart, Yismach Libi Gamani, then I'm also going to be happy. Chacham Benim Vesamach Libi, my son, is wise and makes my heart had. By Shiva Harfi Dover, I'll answer something back to whoever. Goes against me. So this is um, with Shlomo HaMelech, um, who was Masaki in the law of Natila Sadaim. So how could we say that it's Shaman Hill? It's way before Shaman Hill. It's the time from Shlomo. So the Gemara says, also Shlomo goes to the Kachim. Shlomo said you only have to wash for Kachim. Shlomo said Natila Sadaim is by Kachim, that you should not eat with, un, uh, not, not with dirty hands. The rabbis came and they were gozer for truma as well. So that was a later decree by later rabbis that was um that was only that was that was added on later. Now let's just finish up. How do we come to washing hands for bread, even for chulin? So the idea is that it's stuck. The main type of truma that used to be eaten was bread. Bread was like the main, you know, the main facet of truma. Truma came from grain, so the main truma was bread. So the rabbi said that when even a non-coin, when anyone eats bread, in order to protect this gzera, that we don't want people eating truma with dirty hands, they said that everybody has to wash their hands before they eat bread. And even once we don't have truma anymore, we're not eating truma anymore, that the original gzera is still intact, and that is the reason why we wash before we eat bread. It's an amazing thing. You know, if somebody asks nine out of ten Jews, why do you wash before we eat bread? We don't have the answer. The right answer is, Shlomo Alechus Vesakim, we should wash our hands before we cut them, so that we shouldn't, we shouldn't make the kachim gross. Shama and Hillel were gozer, we should, we should wash our hands before we eat truma, so that we don't make the truma repulsive. Because that, they said that you die in our and you rid the truma before you wash by washing before you eat truma. In order to protect that, the rabbi said, before anyone eats bread, because bread was the most common truma, everyone, even non-Kohanim, should wash their hands. And even today that we don't have truma, the rabbi still left the gzera. The Gemara and Hulin elaborates that it's also good for cleanliness. So therefore, we kind of have the duality of the mixture because of truma and the aspect of cleanliness involved.